It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 28, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. And this a, a room full of company tonight. Uh, we've got uh, Kyle back behind the boards. Kyle, good to have you back. I think it's been about six weeks. I think we were talking uh, yes, last night. Yeah, <laughs> This seems like yesterday. Yeah, well, yeah, and he's back, so we're glad. And my father-in-law, Nick, is here from Jenny's, Florida. Nick Wall. Nick, welcome back to the program. It's good to be with you all tonight. Looking forward to your yeah, comments you, tonight. Man. And looking forward to your comments in the chat room tonight. At uh, Sign into the bottom of the video feed if you're listening to us live. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com anytime, live or in the podcast tonight. And... It's also, give us a call tonight, 877-381-4567. It's toll-free. We're ready to take your calls tonight and looking forward to the discussion. Jacob, I came across some statistics recently that really sound pretty depressing. Uh, I, I found these on a website called churchleadership.org, if anybody's interested. But statistics about church decline. Okay. And let me give you some of these statistics. They're actually kind of scary. The United States Census Bureau reports every year more than 4,000 churches close their doors compared to just over 1,000 new churches starting. Oh, so, so that's a net loss, 3,000. And, of course, it's talking about all denominations, every right, religious right. kind of thing. And we probably would applaud some uh, most of those closures. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, yeah. I'm just, but what it's suggesting is a trend. People are becoming less religious right. in America by far. Every year, 2.7 million church members, and they're using that term loosely, obviously, but every year, 2.7 church, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. From 1990 to the year 2000, the combined membership of all Protestant denominations in the United States declined by almost 5 million members, while the U.S. population increased by 24 million people. Wow. Uh, at the turn of the, of the last century, 1900. In 1900, there was a ratio of 27 churches per 10,000 people in the United States. In the year 2000, 100 years later, now get that, 1900, 27 churches per 10,000 people. Okay. In the year 2000, just 11 churches per 10,000 people in the United States. Wow. Significant drop. Almost, what, yeah. that's 60% there, 70%? Pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, the United States now ranks third following China and India in the number of people who are not professed Christians. So the if you're third, a, huh? Third. Third. Only no, that's, a, that's a number, though. It's not percentage. Yeah, that's that's talking about numbers. Right, yeah, so. it, there'd be other countries where the percentage might be higher, but in numbers, in raw numbers, right? The, the, you'll find as many non-professed Christians in America as you'll find any place else in the world with the exception of India and China. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
18%, only 18% of Americans attend any kind of church service with frequency. 18%. Yeah. Well, so now, yeah, now that, those, those numbers are shocking. On a positive note, it does give us good motivation that uh, we need to be out reaching those people. Yeah. More candidates. Yeah. And that's really what I was thinking we want to pursue in our discussion tonight. In other words, obviously people are quitting religion in big numbers. Well, that does provide a window of opportunity for us. You know, if they've quit something, they're obviously dissatisfied with it. Maybe we can approach them with something that is, I think, unquestionably better when we're trying to pursue true New Testament Christianity. Right, right. So, yeah, so if they quit, it's a good thing that they quit if if that opens them up to being exposed to the true gospel. So earlier today to our update list, we sent out an update, as we always do on Thursday, uh, 11 or 12 o'clock. We send out an update. If you're on our list, you'll get an, a little, a quick little email about what we're going to be talking about that night. If you're not on our email list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to the list, and we will do that. Uh, but to our list earlier today, we sent out these questions. In your own personal experience, have you ever quit or been tempted to quit religion? Okay. And if so, why? All right. Number one. Uh, Number two, have you ever tried to encourage or restore others who did quit? If so, what were some of the prime reasons those people gave for quitting? And then our, our big discussion question comes from a survey released by a group called Lifeway Christian Resources. Okay. They conducted a poll on this question. Uh, please comment and tell what, how you would answer these reasons people said for why they quit. Mm-hmm. Too busy, family responsibilities, problems with church leaders, hypocrisy in the church, dislike for organized religion, major life changes such as divorce or a change in job or location. Well, those are the ones that we're probably going to deal with primarily here. The seven primary reasons people said they quit going to church, why they quit religion. Uh, I think we see that all of those are actually non-starters. Those are, those are not legitimate in any way, shape, or form as reasons. Why, in fact, all those are reasons probably why you ought to be going to church, not reasons to be quitting religion. But again, uh, there's some real problems out there. And so our question is, what could we do uh, to answer these reasons people are giving? If any of those things are true in our case, what could we do to prevent them or alleviate those things? That's what we're going to talk about. All right, 877-381-4567 is the toll-free line. We want to hear from you or in the chat room tonight. Why do you people quit? And maybe to start off, have you quit or been tempted to quit? If so, what were some of the reasons? We look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. No one chimed in tonight with answers to that question. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I guess the quitters are not listening tonight. The quitters gave up and left. Huh? Yeah. All yeah. right. But yeah, I think probably almost all all of those who are listening tonight have fallen into the second category, and that is that you've tried. You've probably tried and felt a, a, a sort of an obligation to reach out to some people who did quit. Uh, and so you might give us some input about what you've run into. My experience is that I've run into some of the very things that this Lifeway Resources, uh, Lifeway Christian Resources, I've run into practically all of the same things they said as reasons people give for 
quitting or giving up. And uh, Nick is with us tonight. Nick, uh, your experience with folks who threw in the towel on religion, what what are some reasons that uh, that you know of? Well, I think many times people actually just forget the real purpose of life. As you look at the Ecclesiastes writer, he talks about the whole duty of man is to serve God, keep his commandments. But we do have a lot of distractions and a lot of things that appeal to our flesh. And uh, it doesn't take us very long for those appetites to overrun spirituality in this day and time. I think that's exactly right. And, and I think that's probably the big issue that all people have, and that is that we are not, we're not focused on what our purpose for existence is. We, we, we get the idea that I'm here to gratify myself. I'm, I'm here to make myself happy. I'm here to, to serve my desires and get whatever I want. And and so uh, if that's the case, then, you know, religion is just occupying some of my time that I could be doing something else, serving myself. And if, if I have that view, I'm not I'm not around for long. I'm not going to stick with it. Yeah, this reminds me of the parable of the sower. And really, if you think about these seeds or plants, they quit religion. Two of them did. One of them never had a, never got started, but two of them quit. And one of the ones who quit was that in the thorny ground. And it's like Nick said about the priorities, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Now, that's the, the idea of shifting priorities. But it's interesting that, that Jesus compared that to weeds. And, and weeds in your garden, don't they don't show up overnight. You don't go to bed with a nice-looking garden and wake up and can't find your tomato plants. Yeah. It happens in a slow process. Now, yeah. if your garden's like my garden, you do get to the point where you can't find the tomato plants, but it takes a while. Yeah. And uh, and that's the way it is with our priorities. They shift gradually over time. And so that's it's, it's more difficult to realize that they're shifting because it's a, a slow, gradual process. I think this fits what you guys are saying fits in real nicely with that first item from that LifeWay Christian Resources poll. Too busy. We allow ourselves to get so busy, so right. distracted with other things. Uh, you know, uh, we're busy. We're not busy like our forefathers were busy. Our forefathers were busy from sunrise to sunset, just eking out a living. Mm-hmm. We're busy now with leisure. We've got all kinds of leisure that we want to pursue. Uh, uh, you know, and we exert a lot of inner time and energy in, into these leisure time activities. We, we are so blessed materially that we don't have to work around the clock just to make enough food to eat tomorrow. So we've got this leisure time, but this leisure time, we're sort of drowning in a tub of butter here is what's happening. This has become such a a distraction to us that we've lost sight, as Nick was saying, as to what we're really here for. What what is our purpose anyway? You know, in in that parable of the sower that you just mentioned from Luke chapter 8, that soil type, the one that fell among the thorns, Notice they are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. I would suggest that there's never been a time in the history of the world where that danger is greater than in our day and time. Cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. That's what kept that particular seed type from, from, or or what kept that particular soil type from receiving the seed and Mm -hmm. producing fruit. was because of the cares, riches, and pleasures. Nobody ever in the world's history has had so much cares, riches, and pleasures as we do, 
And uh, we really need to be careful uh, because that that can cause people to quit. And obviously, from what these people are saying, that is one of the prime factors as to why they're quitting. They've become so busy with the affairs of life, they don't have time for religion. Uh, and, and, and to what Nick was saying, they don't see that our purpose for existence is serving God. They, they try to compartmentalize religion. You know, religion is something I do on Sunday for a couple hours Sunday morning. But if I get real busy, I'll just, I'll just have to forego that. They don't see that religion is not just something we do two hours a day, or two hours on Sunday, but religion, our service to God is to be our whole life. It's to be what we're about. And you know, something that's, that runs parallel with the cares uh, and riches and pleasures of this life, those are things that are about me and what I get out of them. And religion, we try and shove it in that same mold, that religion's about what I get out of it. You know, life's about having fun. Life's about how much stuff I can get. How much I can enjoy things. How much I can enjoy things. So when I come to my religion, I approach it the same if way. If it's not real enjoyable, I'm out of here. Right, because I mean that's what my life's about. My life is about satisfying me and gratifying what I want. And if I don't get that, and that's, well, this is a whole different topic, but that's why we're seeing such gross innovation in religious practices. Oh, man, yeah. We need to have those indoor fireworks. We yeah. need to have rodeo bull riding during the Sunday services yeah. because that's what people enjoy, and that's the only way we're going to keep them. Yeah, and, and if, if where you go to church has a fog machine and theatrical lighting, chances are you're being choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this yeah. world. Yeah, I saw a, a, somebody sent a picture in uh, just the other day, and it, it showed two pictures side by side. One was some sort of... A, raucous club where people were dancing and performers were up on the stage. The one right beside it was a religious service. It looked just like the other one. It is. It's amazing. And and so the idea of that is we're going to have to entertain them. We're going to have to keep them happy because they're not going to keep coming if, if we don't. They're so busy trying to gratify their desires with all sorts of things that if we're not in that mold of gratifying them, they're too busy for us if we don't, if we don't, and that. guess what? If that's what you're doing, then you're not affecting. The outcome is not what you want. It's not producing the outcome that you want. Yeah. All right. Any comments uh, from you gentlemen tonight? Kyle? Yeah, I mean, uh, which I can be honest. I mean, there have been times actually in my past before I came back to church. I have There has been a time that I did quit, and that was something that was over selfish reasons and my own personal choices. But... Uh, I think as you get down to the root of it, it's not. I didn't have a working knowledge of God's word, and I didn't make that a priority in life. So it's something that that's what you that's what it is. You don't make God a priority. You don't make uh, learning the scriptures your priority. And, and um, I don't uh, take away from my own responsibility, but I do wish I get we'll get we'll cover that later on. But I wish um, you know, as our brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to make sure that we go. Are helpful to them. Make sure that we see things in their life. We see things that are going on <clears throat> to make sure we get there and help them. But think is, uh, you know, I don't diminish my own responsibility. That's what it is. You have to make sure that you have a knowledge of God's word and make sure you're serving God. Put him in the center of your life. You, yeah. you, you use the word there, Kyle. You said selfish. You were making selfish choices. Whereas serving God is a selfless decision. And so if we're if we're being selfish, we're going the wrong way. I think you're right that we should all be on the lookout for one another. I think that's part of God's plan, you know. The, and we need to talk about that as we go along here. But bottom line, 
if there was not another single faithful Christian in the whole world, it'd still be my job to be a faithful Christian. So we got to do it. We've got to be selfless. All right. Good comments tonight. We need to take a break. When we get back, we'll hear from you, hopefully, in the chat room. Some good comments in the chat room we need to get when we get back. We need to get yours as well. So take this opportunity to sign in and uh, chat in the chat room we got, tonight. We've got some comments coming in the chat room. We'll try to catch those when right. we get We're back. We're going to get those when we get back. And we'll look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. This is Jared in Warwickshire, England. Listen to the chat from the Virtual Bible Study each Thursday night. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Think through your actions to the outcomes. There may be a higher cost than you anticipated. You can't change what you don't acknowledge. What the mind dwells on, the body acts on. Show me a man's closest companions and I can make a fairly accurate guess as to what sort of man he is as well as what sort of man he is likely to become. Man, wish I'd said that. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The Virtual Bible Study rolls along. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about reasons why people quit the church. And uh, we want to look at this. And there's a lot of reasons why we need to talk about it. It's not just, this is not just some kind of academic study. We're trying to just categorize. We need to know for, for our own lives. We're in a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. We need to know for our own lives why people are quitting so we can be on guard with those things in our lives. And so it doesn't happen to us. And so we can help others so, around us. So we have them. We see them falling in the same trap. But, well, you know, other people have quit for this, and you're about to go down that same road. Well, let's get you off that road and help them out. Yeah. All right. In the chat room, uh, guest 1777 simply says, where can we go but to the Lord? Only when we get that disposition of we're going to be really be faithful. It's our only option in life. That's right. So yeah. I think that's a good observation. Then guest 9677 says, as a young adult, early 20s, I came to question the existence of God and certainly organized churches because of the way some Christians treated each other, bickering, fighting, ignoring what the what they claimed to believe and follow the Bible, hypocrisy. I think, I think that statement really embodies a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, and thank you, 9677. In that one statement, he mentions a, a number of the things. Yeah. That are here in this list of why people quit. So yeah. there's someone who said, you know, that's that's where it got to. All right, and that's certainly something we need to take into account when the way that we live our our lives and conduct ourselves is, you know, I can do this. You and I are just bickering and fighting all the time. And it's fun for me. I, I, I mean, I, I, I like I like to keep us. I like to keep a fight and, stirred up. But and we'll and we'll we'll kiss and make up after it's all done, behind the scenes maybe. We don't know that we that here's this weak or young Christian over here that's yep. been completely discouraged yep. by what they observed in us. Yep. And I especially like to do it on in, on Sunday morning in Bible class. Yeah, you know, I just like to disagree with you. I just like to get a now, little. And little I, I don't really believe it, but I like to throw out that other view. The so-called devil's advocate. Yeah, you know, it's fun to have a little give and take. Yeah. But the Christian on the back row that's struggling doesn't see it that way. Yeah. yeah all it does is just shipwreck their faith. All right, I think that's really good. We'll talk more. We're going to talk more about some of those specifics in that in that comment in just a minute. All right, uh, Rick in the chat room says the the epistles of John teach us that there are two things that draw us away from the Lord. Number one, the world, lust of the flesh, and lust of the eyes, and pride of life. And number two, false teaching. This is a problem today. Thank you, Rick, for that. And that is uh, certainly a a, a a timeless, age old problem. I think the false teaching thing is going to draw people to false religions. Uh, and that's a huge problem. We deal with it all the time on the virtual Bible. So a little different than what we're talking about here. False teaching may not get people to 
quit religion altogether. They, it, it could very likely get them to quit true religion, the right. faithful religion, uh, because false teachers will draw people away from from the true pursuit of Christianity and get them involved in all this kind of stuff we've been talking about. I all think right. that's right. Thank you for that, Rick. Appreciate your comments. Sign in if you're not signed in yet and share your comments. Why do people quit the church? Uh, so I think we kind of covered that. That first idea, uh, number one reason people gave for quitting religion was they got too busy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you're too busy, uh, Nick, uh, you love to go fishing. Uh, We love to fish. And, you know, you call somebody and say, let's go fishing tomorrow. And they say, ah, I'm too busy. I've been known to say, if you're too busy, go fishing. You're too busy. You know, And, and just jokingly. But this would be literal. If you're too busy to serve the Lord. You're too busy. You need to shed some of those things because you got to you got to make time for this. Yeah, we only have the 24 hours in each day, and uh, we have to set aside some of that time for service to God. And of course, if He is really the focus of our life, we're going to be uh, learning something about Him through His revelation, which is His Word. And that's what's happened in so many churches. They uh, they really uh, entertain. They bring people into that entertainment, and then people who do read their Bible get somewhat disgusted or they see the hypocrisy in that and then they start blaming everybody that's in religion with doing that yeah. and and which is unfortunate on their part that they would just study their bible and say we just got to stick with what we hear from the word of god and then when we're not with people that are practicing that we need to uh, find people who are and yeah. there are people who are trying to serve god and we'll give a thus saith the lord for what they practice and believe and do i think that's right you know uh if if the only time I care to serve God is when there's nothing else to do, just just think about the implications of that. I'm busy. I do what I want to do first, and then if there's hap- if there happens to be a Sunday when I don't have anything else to do, I'll go to church. Well, think about what I'm saying to God. I'm just giving you the scraps. I'm just giving you the leftovers. I, I, you are not a priority to me. Uh, uh, that's a message I don't think any of us really want to be given to God. Absolutely not. 877-381-4567. Give us a call. Listen to your thoughts tonight on the program. Certainly, we've got to think about uh, our priorities. They they do they shift so much, and we've got to pull them back into what's important. And so uh, we've got to make sure that we do not allow ourselves to get too busy. Uh, we certainly uh, have control over the amount of busyness that's in our lives. All Especially right. in this day and age, as you said, we've got so much prosperity. If we're busy, it's by our own choosing. Yeah, but it, mostly. That's mostly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, number one reason, got too busy. Num- second reason was family and home responsibilities. Uh, again, I think this is a familiar excuse. I probably all of us have heard it. You know, I, I, I haven't been going to church for the last several weeks because I got to tell you, I'm just really busy providing for my family and meeting their needs, you know, and, and that's meant that I've had to work some long hours, so, you know, some seven day weeks. And I just, I just haven't had time because, uh, I'm, I'm trying to provide for my family. You know, my kids are getting older and they're going to be going off to college pretty soon. And that, I'm going to tell you, that is expensive. And I've got to save up and I got, they, they you know, we, we got to, We've really been wanting to get a bigger house, and and uh, we like to get a new car pretty often. And and uh, there's this really neat vacation that we want to take, and uh, you know it, it just takes time to provide for all those things. And so, providing for my family, my home responsibilities, uh, uh, that that 
that's keeping me away from church. Yeah, uh, providing for our family, uh, maybe just wanting to spend time with our family. You know, I, I don't get to see my kids very often, and uh, I've, we've heard this excuse before. We, you know, we're so busy during the week. We need a little time on Sunday morning for our family, and so we're just going to stay home and, and lay out of church, um, and we just allow these things to get in the way. Yeah, but if you know, if you stop to think about it, what would be a more beneficial thing for my family? than making God a priority in our family life. You know, so we take that Disney World vacation, you know. It costs, you know, costs thousands of dollars. Yeah. What do you think will be more impressive on your children in the long haul? 20 years from now when they look back on it, do you think that that Disney World vacation will be more meaningful or the fact that you grounded them in God's truth and convinced them that this was the way to live their life uh, it's, it's no contest. Think about what you're telling them. You're telling them that they're more important than God to you. And when they get older, they'll decide that, well, maybe they are themselves more important than doing what God would have them do. And they'll live that selfish life that we talked about, those cares and pleasures of this world taking over and uh, shifting their priorities. You're certainly leaving a bad influence there. Jesus said something about this directly in Matthew chapter 10. Verse 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Uh, I think it's worth noting that putting God first actually means we love God more than we love our family. We've got to. He said so. Right. But. The, the truth of the matter is, me loving God first more than my family is the best thing that I can do for my family. It, 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 it might seem counterintuitive that I don't love them the most, but the fact of the matter is, if I love God the most, I'm I'm doing the very best thing for them that I could possibly do. Kyle, you got a thought? I got the same quote. I had that, uh, but, you know, I guess it, I think it comes with almost every member of the church. It, um, <clears throat> if you put Christ and put uh, God first in your life, it seems like um, you're going to have trouble with family and trouble with those who are in your, like you say, our uh, sphere of influence. We're always going to have that friction, and especially it does come with family. On my own personal experience with that, is just uh, you're going to see a lot of stigma, it seems, with, with um, especially trying to live the way God wants us to live. And you're going to, which we call peculiar, and uh, if like we always say, if you're not, uh, if someone doesn't think you're weird, doesn't think you're odd by the way you act and the way you uh uh, conduct yourself, and you're not living as a Christian should. So I think it's, that comes with family, though. You do see that. And uh, is that something that we shouldn't let our families deter us from living as we should? Though. Yeah, I think you're right. And we can't we can't really love our family and, unless we love God first because we're going to be training them to love God and do his commandments because that's their purpose in life as well. So that's that's going to be the key of setting that example before them and letting them see that. Yeah, chances are if you quit the church... Because of family, you're not going to be the only one that will be quitting oh, the church. Yeah, your kids are going to take it further than you took it. Right. Uh, so uh, we, we've got to teach them. We're, we're in the business of, of molding our children, establishing their priorities as well. If we have any sense about it, we're going to, we, we have got to make serving God top priority in our life so they see that in our lives, so that they model that in their life. Otherwise, even if we haven't quit altogether, they will. 
In the chat room, guess 1777 paraphrases Proverbs 22, verse 6. This listener says, we raise families the way they should go, so when they are older, they will not stray. And uh, that certainly it has to be our priority, uh, that we are going to raise our family. We're going to direct our family. We're going to guide our family by our teaching and our influence uh, to follow the Lord with all their heart. We always cite Ephesians 6, verse 4. You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's your primary job with your kid. My kid didn't go to college. Well, but he but he grew up to be a faithful Christian. Then you hit a home then, run. Then, then you succeeded, right? Right. Uh, we didn't get to take the Disney World vacation, but my children grew up to be faithful Christians. They'll be going somewhere better than Disney World. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, name anything you want to name there, but if you if you succeed in raising children that fear God and keep His commandments, you have succeeded as a parent. That is the single most important thing you have to do. And so you talk about, and it, it just it just seems so backwards. People say, "Well, I quit on religion because I had these family and home obligations that I had to fulfill." That's ridiculous. You, you're, your number you're, one obligation. You're, you're you quitting on the single thing that's most important. Yeah. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, and, and then even when family, uh, when they are the ones who uh, turn away from God, we 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 even need to be more uh, adamant about serving God, not allowing that to take control of our life because we're not going to help them if we don't deal with them the way God says to, and that's going to be to rebuke them. And they are there. So many times they're going to become our enemies, but uh, that's going to be best for us. And uh, that's the only way you'll ever get them possibly to turn back. And Jesus, Jesus foretold that that would happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Nick, I, you, we could talk about that for the rest of the hour, Nick, but our responsibility to our family when they're not living as they should, and that probably is the biggest area where we see families coming before serving God and why people ultimately would leave the church is because of those unfaithful family members. Yeah. All right. Let's grab a break. When we, we come do. back, we'll go a little bit faster. We, we covered a, two of the reasons people gave most frequently for quitting religion. we got five to go. We'll have to go a little bit faster, but we'll catch so, that on the other side. So far, the survey's been accurate. I uh, think the, so. The reasons that people leave the church are, well, we've verified that according to the scriptures, as to reasons why people leave the church. And we'll continue the discussion on the other side. When we get back, problems with church leaders, getting disenchanted with church leaders and members, uh, and maybe the church is just too judgmental. There we go. Let's talk about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the Virtual Bible Study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. There are many things to learn from the famous parable of the prodigal son recorded in Luke chapter 15. Each of the three characters in the parable, the prodigal, the father, and the elder brother, provides us with essential instruction in spiritual matters. Few biblical texts have served as the basis for more or more powerful sermons and lessons. Our emphasis today is on the father, and specifically on some of the things he did not do. Consider... He did not try to justify his son's sinful actions. Many parents make this critical mistake. Even when their children have done horrible, devastating wrongs, some parents will make excuses for them. Some have even been known to change their position on basic moral issues if it so happens that their son or daughter has followed that sinful route. This, of course, only makes things worse. Secondly, the father did not continue a normal relationship with his erring son. The reality was that their relationship had been severely altered. Not by the father's choices, but rather by the son's. 
The father accepted this reality as unpleasant as it was. There was nothing normal in the family as long as this son continued in his sinful ways. Third, the father did not rush to bail his son out of the trouble he had gotten himself into, and he did not enable him to continue in his sinful lifestyle. Although it's not stated in the text, it's not hard to imagine the father likely knew where his son was, may well have known about the horrid conditions his son was suffering in the pig pen. But he did not go there. He did not send some much-needed cash to ease the suffering. He did not take any steps to lessen the miserable consequences the boy had reaped by his bad choices. Unfortunately, we see way too many parents today that, by their actions, actually make it possible for their children to continue in open rebellion to the will of God. Fourth, the father did not forgive and restore his prodigal son until the son repented and sought his forgiveness. It's clear that the father was willing to forgive. It's obvious that he was anxious to forgive. He made it easy for his wayward son to seek and receive forgiveness, but notice carefully that he did not forgive the prodigal until the young man came to himself, humbly returned, and asked for reconciliation. This is the pattern taught throughout the scriptures, and we must follow it. Finally, he never gave up hope for his lost son. As the son was nearing home, quote, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It has been noted that the father must have been constantly watching and always hoping that he would see his son on the horizon. No loving parent can give up hope for a child gone astray. So, we see that the father of the prodigal son serves as a great role model for us today. Of course, we believe he is a sort of shadow of our perfect heavenly father. Let us strive to be more like him. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we ought to say hola to Nestor. Hola to Nestor. Hope Amigo. everything's well down there yeah. in Chile. Yeah, good to hear from Nestor there tonight. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Or, if you'd like, uh, come and visit with us. Find out how uh, to find our meeting place and times of assembly at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Talking about reasons why people quit the church tonight. In the chat room, guest 9677 says, Is anything more painful than having forsaken the Lord for a while? And it causes unbelief in our children, and we must live with the loss of their souls. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that profound. I've known people who did that. Nick, you've probably had that situation too. In other words, I, I got busy when my kids were growing up and we didn't go to church. For, I've changed. Now, I, I've come to myself now that I'm older. But my kids have no use for religion at all. That'd yeah. be a painful thing to live with. Yeah. And 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 you got to live with that through life. And, and, uh, and eternity. And, and don't have the influence now over them that you once would have had. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, that's that's a sad that's yeah. a sad observation. That's, but I, but we've known it, to, seen it happen too many times. Yeah, you've got to consider your what you're doing to others with the way that you live. Absolutely. All right. All right. Third reason, third top reason why people gave for quitting religion was they grew disenchanted with church leaders and church members. Mm-hmm. Well, think about that. Yeah, you know, this this ought to be a wake up call to everybody else. People quit because of us. Or at least they can. And, yeah. and and a lot of them are giving that as the reason why they quit. They just, the, the leadership and the membership of churches just turned them off. Is there anybody who could say that they've never been discouraged by the way that other Christians were behaving themselves? I don't know that there is anybody who could say that. Uh, I couldn't say that. You yeah. couldn't say that. Yeah. Other people have an influence on us, and so let's make sure that our influence is positive. Yeah. Uh, now, it, it, we got to make the point that it, it shouldn't be the case 
You know, if everybody was strongly devoted to the Lord, I don't care what any other church member does. I'm going to serve the Lord. If I've got that kind of strong commitment to the Lord, then I will not be dissuaded, even if if my fellow Christians are just absolute jerks. But the problem is not everybody has that strength of character and and weak ones are the ones who are going to be badly affected if their fellow Christians aren't living right. 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 Uh, uh, and, and those are the ones who, who, are, who, who are going to fall away. Uh, so we, uh, as I said, I think this needs to be a wake up call for all of us that especially in regards to weak people in the church, uh, they're looking at us and if we're not behaving they're going to say, what's the use? I quit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As you said, the strong ones will know, oh, that's just old Brother Joe. He's an old crank. You know, he yeah. acts that way all the time. Yeah. Just ignore him. I've known him for 50 years. He's always He's done always that. that. Uh, it doesn't bother me. But the, the, the new convert or yeah. the one who's struggling looks at Brother Joe and says, if that's what it's about, I'm out of here. Yeah. I can't take it yeah. anymore. Uh, sort of a neat example from the Old Testament we might, might tie into this. You remember with David and Bathsheba. You know, you remember the horrible episode of David and Bathsheba uh, when Nathan the prophet went to David to confront him about that. He said in Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 14, By this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Yeah. Well, that could be us. Yeah. You know. Then David never thought. Anything about that when he was committing? It's just between him and God. Yeah. But look what happened. Yeah, uh, and and we can, we can do the very same thing. And I, I've known of examples. Uh, not that very long ago, we had a situation. There was a there was a member of of this had been a member of this local congregation, and and he'd fallen away. One of the one of the sins that he that caused him to fall away was drunkenness. Well, then he found out that some other member of the church had also been drunk. Well, that just justified him. You know, he, w- he was using that as, as justification for his action. You know, uh, the fellow who went out and got drunk never thought that he was going to have that kind of negative impact on others, but he did. Gave excuse of others to do the same. Um, Guest 1777 says, it is a good excuse, but not a good reason. Who pays in the long run? And, you know, it's ironic. Those who leave the church and say, well, there's hypocrisy in the church or there's members who aren't living as they should, they almost present it as a holier-than-thou kind of thing. You know what? Yeah. And, but, so they're justifying them living any way they want because other people aren't living right. It may be a good excuse, as 1777 said, but it is not a good reason. Yeah. And in the end, you'll be the one who pays the price for doing that. Years ago, Nick, I don't know if you've ever heard it explained this way or not, but years ago... I, I, a, a preacher made an illustration, and it always just stuck with me. It's, it's so logical. Okay, so here's this hypocrite in the church, and I let this hypocrite come between me and God. The hypocrite's closer to God than I am if he's come between me and God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if that I don't know if that really perfectly fits, but it's something that people ought to think about before they start using that excuse that the hypocrite gets, keeps them out of church. Yeah, that's that's the problem with looking at fellow human beings, whomever they may be. It might be in our family or within the church or uh, those that we might have viewed as being strong. The arm of flesh will fail you, and the only, only one that we really need to get our mindset on he's always perfect that's our lord and that's where the goal is he the words he's teaching is what's going to judge us in the last day and not the example of those around about us so we've got to focus on that as well i think you're right 
So uh, we need to heed the admonition, First Peter 3, beginning verse 16, keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, live in such fashion that people can't, people, even people who want to, can't find anything bad to say about you. Paul said the same sort of thing to Titus, Titus 2, verse 6, beginning, In all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. All right, so you're arguing this from the other side now. We've said that that's a sorry, flimsy excuse that doesn't do any good. But what you're saying now is make sure you take that excuse off the table. Yeah, don't let them use that excuse. Don't. Don't live in such a way that somebody could point to you and say, I'm quitting because of him. Yeah. All right. And that's really what we need to do. Uh, we need to learn that lesson. All right. All right. Where are we at? We got just a, a, a – let's, let's tie in this next one because it goes pretty close to hand, hand. People quit because they grew disenchanted with church leaders and members. People said the church is too judgmental. The church is too judgmental. Uh, you know, that's something uh, – that people who make that claim, we've talked about judging lots of times before in the virtual Bible study, but people who make that accusation seem to never, it never registers with them that they're doing the very thing that they say they're upset about. They say they're upset about the church being too judgmental, but they're judging in making that judgment. So it, it's it's kind of a... Uh, now, there is there could be a problem of the church being too judgmental and being... Uh, pharisaical in their in their judging as yeah. the pharisees were they, the, the pharisees were a group that was too judgmental that certainly could be a problem uh but the solution to that problem wasn't you to say well you just quit don't worry about it yeah oh, this judaism thing look at all the hypocrites over there with the pharisees and sadducees just forget it yeah go fishing no. yeah i think right. that's right okay. they they uh uh as we've said so many times before matthew 7 verse 1 is the Probably one of the best known verses for this sort of person. Judge not that you be not judged. People people who couldn't find it in the Bible if their life depended upon them still can offer quote a sort it verbatim. of verbatim. Yeah, typically quote it just absolutely Nail it. verbatim. Yeah. They don't realize that in the same context Jesus described the kind of judging that he had in mind. We're not we're not to be hypocritical or hypercritical in our judgments, but but in uh uh, John 7, verse 24, we're actually commanded to make righteous judgments. Not all judgment is wrong. Everybody judges something. Uh, but again, I mean, as we said, we want to help people, help them see that. We want to make sure that we're not guilty of hypocritical judging, that we're not that we're not condemning things in others that we're doing in our own lives. That's the kind of judging Jesus said we shouldn't do. Don't judge others until you, you know, if, you're, if you've got problems you haven't fixed in your life, don't be looking to try to help somebody else. Get, get your own act together. All right. Let's take a break. Well, no, it's not time break. We got another. We got time to get another one. Have we skipped any comments from you gentlemen over there? You're sort of out of the field of view. Kyle, no comments so far? Okay. All right. Uh, so what have we covered so far? We've talked about people get too busy. They allow family and home responsibilities to keep them from serving God. They grow disenchanted with church leaders and church members. And they claim that the church is too judgmental. And uh, 1777 emphatically says in the chat room, righteous judgment. We need righteous judgment. We need righteous judgment. Thank you. On that judging thing, you know, I'm thinking about quitting my job because my boss is just entirely too judgmental. He expects me to be there on time. He expects me to put in eight full hours of work. He he, He thinks it's wrong if I leave early. And I'm tired of him judging me on all these things. You know, he... 
I even have this thing they call a performance review. Yeah. And I'm just tired of this judgmentalism. I'm quitting. I well, say, how dare he? Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> but no, nobody, nobody would do that in regards to their work because they understand work is essential and they've got to stick with it. And so, you know, don't don't let the the, the necessary judgments that are taught in the scriptures. A lot of time when people say the church is too judgmental, they're not necessarily talking about hypocritical judging. They say, you know, the, the the people at church say drinking is wrong. I don't like them telling me drinking is wrong. People at church tell me that. I have to be faithful to my wife. I don't want to be faithful to oh, my right wife. Then. They're yeah. making they're making these judgments. Well, those are righteous judgments based upon the word of God. They have to be made. Right. There's standards that we need to live on yeah. by. And, and, and it's to- not our standard. No. I guess 5532 agrees with you and echoes. Uh, sometimes I wonder if that is the only scripture some know, that Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Seems like it is with many, unfortunately, uh, because many have found that uh, that may be their uh, their trump card you know that sort of you get out of jail free oh well, yeah uh, yeah if if i throw out the accusation you're you're being judgmental that it just sort of gets, then, then then you you sort of jump back recoil, to oil oh, yeah. oh yeah i don't want to do that i don't want to do that you got me yeah yeah and and they don't understand the whole whole subject of judgment all right let's take a break go to the top of the hour when we get back still lots of things to talk about some just plain old dislike organized religion that seems to be a growing trend in our society i don't need organized religion I can love God. Well, we talked about that. There was a, a uh, remember that rap song or that song that guy did, a love, love God but hate, hate religion. Yeah, we covered that on the Virgin that, Bible that, Study several a, years ago. That's still a very popular thing. I can be religious without yeah. being an I love Jesus, but I hate religion. Yeah. And so we need to talk about that. Um, and then uh, major changes in life and maybe changes in your job and where you live. We'll talk about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. When unchurched people were asked to describe what they believe are the positive and negative contributions of Christianity in America, almost half, 49%, said they could not identify a single favorable impact of the Christian community, while nearly two-thirds, 63%, were able to identify what they felt were negative impacts. That information is via Barna Research. The Word of God says in Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. Going to the top of the hour, talking about reasons why people leave the church. A few more to talk about before we're done tonight. People losing faith and interest in organized religion. Okay, so another reason people gave was that they just lost faith in organized religion. Uh... Uh, what they mean by organized religion is that they're talking about religion that is big business. You know, the the big money churches, you know, the mega churches, all this all this organization, lots of millions and millions of dollars involved. You know, the the TV evangelists and all the appeals for people to send in money and and uh, and then of course a lot of those guys who have been the leaders of those big movements have turned out to be absolute rascals. Terrible scandals have been exposed, you know, concerning some of those church leaders. And that's what people identify as organized religion. You know, Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker and, and, uh, uh Joel Olstein and, you know, wh- whoever else you want to well, throw. Was that, um, the, uh, the lady preacher, um, Joyce Meyer. Joy, yeah, did she have like a toilet seat or something that was, 
thousands of dollars or something or a toilet or something yes Hey, and when I was at, when I was when I was preaching last year in St. Louis, I saw her house. You did? Oh, she got a, a big small r- little bungalow. Oh no, she got a big ranch uh, right there on the country club. It's pretty fabulous. Uh, okay, and, but that's what people are saying that they're they're fed up with that. They do not like that. Well, you know, I would tend to agree. I I can sympathize with that. We don't like that either. Uh, uh, what and what what we're saying is that that is not true new testament christianity that's not what we read about in the bible and so if you don't like that then we join with you in saying we don't like that uh but as you said earlier nick there are people who are trying sincerely to do just what the bible says to do yeah that's that's just like someone uh looking at islam and the quran and things of that nature and and they're they're trying to serve that religious view and they look into america and they see all the denominations saying they believe the same Bible, but yet people with so many different views, and they miss completely what Christianity is. That's where you have to go back to the New Testament for us in this day and time, and we have to see what the Lord has said. And um, the word that he's spoken is going to judge us. So when we, we look into the Scriptures, we see the apostles, men in the flesh that had problems, like Peter on occasions, Paul had to rebuke him. So there's going to be those times when you're going to see the flaws in people's lives, and but don't don't write that off and say that that's uh, what I'm going to judge all religion by. Go go back and start reading your Bible, reading the New Testament in particular for our day, and find out what God has said because it's going to be those words, John 12:48. Jesus says, words that I have spoken, they'll judge you in the last day. I think that's right. We're not perfect, but there's a perfect pattern there for us to be striving for. But it's, 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 like I said, it's not what we're seeing in organized religion today. Go back to the Bible, as you said, Nick. Read the New Testament. See what it was like. And then find a group of people that are trying to serve God like that. In guess 1777 says, cannot find organized religion in Scripture. It is a political division term, which is divisive. Simply Christian is enough. And so 1777 is taking that slant on it as well, that uh, the, the, the organizations we see that aren't scriptural, well, you ought to lose faith in those. But there is an aspect of this where I think it's becoming more common in that people say, well, I don't need to be a part of a group. I can just do my own thing. I can just have a relationship with God without being a part of a a, a body of believers, and that is not a an, an accurate uh, well, at, take on things. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. In other words, I, like that guy that we reviewed his video, right. I hate religion, but I love Jesus. Actually, the person who says I, I don't need I don't need to go to church, I can I can be a Christian without going to church. Yeah. They're denying God's wisdom and His plan. Yeah. Uh, in Ephesians chapter three. Verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church, the true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is part of God's eternal plan. We we must be a part of that. He died uh, for it. Yeah. yeah. Purchased it with his blood. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of folks saying, uh, Nick, you may have heard some folks, I don't know, down in Florida, they get into this deer hunt thing. You may have heard some folks uh, say that well, they they just sort of just have say, their time with God in their deer stand. Yeah, on say Sunday. a prayer on my deer stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, um, or go fishing to the Gulf. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the one day the tides are right and the wind's blowing right. Yeah. 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 It's the best fishing day that we've had yeah. in three months. So we'll yeah. just, uh, we could have, we'll get, we're in nature. We'll get close to God there. And, you know, that's, I don't need, I don't need the church. That's simply no, not people the making but, that excuse. But we have to assemble with God's people. There has to be, you know, the, the church in a, in a locale that we have to be a part of so that we can supply our part in edification. Not only, you know, do others need to be built up and, in the faith, but we ourselves need that. And we, and as you say, we have an obligation to be a part to help not only ourselves but others. Right, and even the scriptures talk about those who are weak in knowledge and those who are strong in knowledge, and we need one another. All, all are necessary. So we, we shouldn't ever get the feeling like, well, I'm not necessary and I don't need to be there. Everybody's necessary. The strong needs the weak, and the weak needs the strong. Yeah. In order we might increase our faith. I right. think exactly right. Okay. Let's take a, let's, we're going to have to hurry here, get a couple more. Uh, on this list of seven things, people, reasons people gave for leaving the church, they had changed circumstances in their life. Maybe a divorce, maybe the loss of a loved one, grief. Uh, so let's say you lost a loved one and you're overcome with grief, quit the church. Or you went through a divorce, maybe you were feeling some guilt or, or some shame associated with that, so you quit the church. Uh, what are we going to say to that? I would say life often makes some nasty turns, but rejecting the Lord is not the right response to those nasty turns that life takes. That's right. It's the it's the the last thing we need to do at those times. But many people take out their anger at, on the Lord. Yeah. Jesus said in Matthew 11, beginning verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice Jesus understood there that we can become heavy laden. Life can be hard. Bad things can happen. But actually, he says he provides the only real solution to that. Nick? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, you know, God is the God of all comfort. So those... If you're going to get the solution to those problems of the loss of loved ones, uh, those who have abandoned us in some way, and, and, and we're, we're going to have to turn to the Lord for the comfort. And his word will provide all that we need to sustain us in this life, in the life that now is, in the life to come. So we can't turn away from that. If you're running from God in those times, you're running in the wrong direction. Yeah, uh, it's just exactly the wrong reaction to take, the exactly wrong reaction. So, uh, again... Do people say those things? Yeah. I, I think can't believe what, what, God would let my mother go through that. Yeah. Or I, or, or, why did he let why did he let my loved one suffer that terrible battle? He loved God canceled? so much and she died. Yeah. It's such an unre you know, I'm gonna be mad at God because someone died. It's such an unrealistic look on I mean, everybody's gonna die. I mean and if what, what do you expect? His, we'd live forever? And if God had his way, we'd still be living in the Garden of Eden and nobody would be dying. But uh certainly we see the consequences. All right. All right. One last one we want to cover here, and I think all of these fit. I was pretty impressed that these um, reasons that were in this survey by the Lifeway Christian Resources Group. Actually, that group is in Nashville. I thought they uh, they hit the mark pretty well because we're hearing these very same things. This, okay. this is what people are saying. And the last one they mentioned out of seven was job situation put them where it was hard to serve. They changed, they, they moved, they changed jobs, and it was it just hard to get started again, find a new, as, as the expression goes, church home, yeah. and they just quit. Um, you know, I think that probably is 
more of an issue these days than it used to be. Uh, you know, it used to be a, a, a person grew up and never moved more than a few miles from the very place where he grew up. Got a job, worked that same job his whole life long, retired, still still living in the same house. And, you know, we, we sank down roots. We don't sink down roots so much anymore. And we, we move. We move a lot. Uh, we move far away from family and, and uh, uh, so forth. Uh, and I think it is easy to end up, let ourselves be located in a place where it's hard to serve. If you were to move out west, you know, in some of the remote areas out west, you might be 100 miles from the nearest church. It's going to be hard to keep that up. That needs to be factored in before I make that move and before I take that job. You know, it won't take time to read it, but remember the episode with Lot back in the book of Genesis when he and Abraham separated because their flocks had grown too great. Lot saw the well-watered plain of the Jordan River and he realized that'd be a good place for me to have my flocks and my herds. And he took that and he moved and it says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Yeah. Well, Sodom was already a wicked place and the reputation of it was already known and established before Lot made that move. But he made that move because he thought it was would benefit benefit him materially. Yeah. He didn't think about the spiritual consequences. And the, and the end result of that story, as you well know, is that he lost everything. Right. Uh, because he made that choice without thinking about where he was moving, where, yes. he, where he was taking his family. Right. So um, that's something. That's something. It, it does happen to people. It's the wrong response. They need to make changes. But it, it's something that if we're trying to prevent this from happening to us, then we need to take these things into account before we accept a job or a life situation that we put ourselves in that would cause us to make it difficult to serve. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. Got to put God first. You know, in, in all that we've been saying, probably a good summary verse for our discussion tonight, Jacob, is Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, I'll, I'll have everything I need, and, and, and my life will be blessed if I put God first. And, and that's what I need to be doing. Absolutely. God will take care of us and provide if we will keep him first. So we've looked at several reasons why people quit the church tonight. It's not just a trivial discussion that... We're not just trying to look, well, why did he leave? Why did she leave? We want to know so that we can prevent it ourselves and help others prevent it in their lives. Talked about priorities, getting too busy. Talked about our family, allowing them to be a priority over serving God. Talked about church leaders and members of the church who aren't what they need to be. Maybe some hypocrisy, dislike for organized religion, major changes in life and changes in jobs in our location. Certainly problems that can arise that we need to be on guard against in our personal lives and then watch out for the lives of others. Exactly right. All right, good discussion tonight, and appreciate the comments uh, in the chat room. Appreciate the comments we got in the room tonight. Thank you for being here, Nick. It's good being with you all tonight. Yeah, and thank Enjoy you. the study. And thank Thanks. you, Kyle, for being here on the board. It's good, good to job. be here. Good job. And, uh, Dad, thank you for the time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. And we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.